you would remain standing, take your copies of God's Word and turn with me this evening to John chapter 16. John 16, we'll actually begin at the latter half of verse 4 tonight and read through verse 15. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The grass withers and the flower fades away. But the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verse 18 of chapter 15 through the first half of chapter of verse 4 of chapter 16. And we saw three things concerning the true followers of Christ and the world. We saw last Sunday evening how true followers of Christ are hated by the world. How they are prepared for this hatred and how they will suffer persecution. And tonight we come to the most extensive teaching on the Holy Spirit, the helper of Jesus given to us in the Gospel of John. Now often we as Presbyterians, we do not emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit. We may be afraid to do so. Yet we need to understand that without the Holy Spirit tonight, we cannot understand anything That God says to us in His Word. Without the Holy Spirit and His power in working, revival, true revival that we pray for will never come. And so we often fail to realize the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, we do this for one reason, that we do not want to go to the extreme that some go to where they lift the Spirit and the ministry of the Spirit above that of Christ and His ministry. But tonight, Jesus tells us the main emphasis of the Holy Spirit. And it is simply this. The main emphasis of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ, not Himself. 
The Holy Spirit brings our attention to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has power and influence over the world. The Holy Spirit was promised to the disciples to comfort them. But as we also see tonight, Christ shows us the Holy Spirit's ministry in the world and as well His ministry to the disciples of our Lord. And so there are three things I want us to see tonight. The first is this, that the Holy Spirit would be sent to the disciples. We hear of this in verses 5 through 7. But now I'm going to Him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Jesus tells the disciples that for the Holy Spirit to be sent, He had to go away. But that would be an advantage of the disciples. Now, Lord willing, next week we'll hear of the sorrow of the disciples concerning this. But tonight, we, we know that the disciples, that they were, were saddened at the prospect of the departure of their Lord. But His going away was needful. Now, how does Christ speak here of going away? Well, in two ways. First of all, in His going to the cross. Again, this is the last night of our Lord's life as He's with His disciples. Again, Judas has already left and is gone to do what he had been ordained by God to do, betray the Lord. And so here he tells those who are there with him that he must go away to the cross. It was highly expedient for the disciples and for us that the Lord Jesus should go to and through the sufferings of Calvary. Without his death on the cross, none of us would be forgiven. None of us would be redeemed or, or saved. Martin Luther put it this way as he describes here what Jesus says. He says, unless I go away, unless, that is, unless I die, nothing will be done. You will continue as you are and everything will remain in its old state. The Jews under the law of Moses, the heathen and their blindness, all under sin and death. No scripture would then be fulfilled. And I should have come in vain. And so Jesus had to go away. He had to go away to the cross. But there's a second way that he speaks of going away. And that is going away to the Father. Yes, he would go away to the cross. He would die for three days, remain in the tomb. And then the, the resurrection. And then for 40 days he would minister to his disciples, but then after those 40 days, he would ascend into heaven. He was going away to be with the Father. He will be raised in his glorified state, and in that glorified state, he will go away to sit at the right hand of the Father. Arthur Pink says this, it is of a glorified state that the Spirit testifies, and for that, the Savior had to go away. And so he had to go away in order that, that the Spirit would come. The Helper would come to them. And he would come because Jesus will send that Helper. 
He will send His Spirit. Now when we hear that, we need to understand this doesn't mean that the Spirit was not actively at work when Jesus spoke these words or that it wasn't until the day of Pentecost that the Spirit came. No, the Spirit has always been active from creation on. The Spirit was at creation. The Spirit was at work in the Old Testament. The Spirit we see is at work in the New Testament. And we see a greater working of the Holy Spirit in the New. But He has always been because He's God. And so Jesus tells them these things to give them comfort. They were so focused on the fact that Jesus was going away that they still failed to realize that there were actual benefits to Jesus going away. None of them asked Him where He was going. They were so absorbed in grief that they failed to realize what this meant for them. And they let their grief overshadow them. But Jesus promises them the Helper. And then the the second thing He tells them uh, about tonight and us is this. the, The Holy Spirit's ministry in the world. We hear that in verses 8 through 11. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So what is the relationship of the Holy Spirit with the world? Many times we may say there there is no relationship, but Jesus tells us tonight that there is. The Spirit convicts the world of guilt in regard to sin. And the Spirit does this in two senses. First, the Spirit is like a prosecuting attorney and He secures a verdict of guilty against the world. Against the fallen world, against the unbelievers In this world. But then, second, the Holy Spirit also brings this guilt home to the human consciousness. So that men and women are disturbed by their sin. And as they are disturbed by it, they seek seek relief from it. Now, the second way deals with regeneration. We heard of, of being born again back in John. Chapter 3, when Nicodemus came to the Lord at night. The Pharisee Nicodemus. And Jesus told him that, that one must be born again. That is regeneration. What does that mean? It means that the Spirit of God changes the heart of a sinner so that they hear the gospel and then they come to Christ in faith. The Spirit of God and of Christ changes our heart of unbelief to a heart that will believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit changes our heart of stone, the Bible tells us, and gives to us a heart of flesh. And no one has ever come to Christ. No one has ever begun to follow Jesus except as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. If we think back to our own conversion this evening, we know that the Spirit moved in us and worked in us before we ever came to Christ in faith. If He had not done so, we never would have come to Christ in faith. 
And so the Spirit convicts the world of guilt, but also the Spirit convicts the world of righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of a lack of righteousness by illuminating the righteousness of Christ. Now we know that we live in a fallen world. We see much wickedness around us. But think of what it would be like if the Holy Spirit was not illuminating this world with the righteousness of Jesus. Think of what this world would be like if not for the church. If not for the kingdom of Christ advancing And so the Holy Spirit shows the world what true righteousness is. Apart from Christ, none of us has any understanding of what God's righteousness is. We see the righteousness of God in the righteousness of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit shows where that righteousness can be found. The Holy Spirit reveals to us that it can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then the Holy Spirit convicts the world of judgment. Notice what Jesus says in verse 11. He convicts the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now there Jesus is speaking of Satan. The Holy Spirit will display the judgment of the world because Satan has already been judged. We know Satan is a fallen angel, Lucifer. In his pride, he wanted to overthrow the throne of God, yet he was a created being of God. He is not eternal. He he was created by God. And and so in, in that sense, he's already been judged. He was thrown out of heaven. And we know that he came to our first parents in the form of a serpent. As we said this morning, everything we see in this world is the result of the fact that there is a war going on between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Everything we see in the news, all that we see is a spiritual war between Christ and Satan. But yet we know who the victor is, is Christ. Satan is not equal with God. As Jesus tells us tonight, he has already been judged. Satan is like a a wounded, caged animal at this moment. He doesn't have free reign over this world, even though sometimes we may think he does. Because he has already been cast out. He has already been judged. Now that final judgment will come one day, and that will happen at the last day when Jesus comes in his glory. And so the Holy Spirit convicts the world of judgment. That same judgment that will come to those who do not know Christ. As one states, if if an individual will not come to Christ who has died for him in order that his sin might be punished and God's own righteousness might be applied to his account, then he will experience such judgment. How better it is to come to Christ now. In this day of grace. But then there's a third thing that we see here tonight. It is concerning the Holy Spirit's ministry to the apostles. To the to apostles. To these men. To whom Jesus speaks. And we hear of that in verses 12 through 15. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. 
When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Jesus tells these men here that He's speaking to that, that the Holy Spirit would come and give to them new revelation. The sense of verse 13 that we just read is more than just that the Spirit will teach the people of God. That is true. And we are thankful for that tonight. But the sense here is that the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. That is, into a definite body of material that centers on Jesus. Now what is that definite body of material that centers upon Christ? It is the New Testament. It is the New Testament. The Holy Spirit inspired the apostles in such a way that they wrote the very Word of God in a particular function of the apostles was to receive new revelation. Now, that does not mean that there are apostles today. There are no more apostles. There is no need for new revelation. We have all the revelation we need in the New Testament. But this moment when Jesus speaks, there was no New Testament. It had to be written. And so Jesus here, he tells the, the, the apostles that he is going to send his spirit to help them in that task. The Holy Spirit would guide the apostles in the historical element of the New Testament. Jesus said he will guide you into all the truth. The spirit would guide the apostles in all the truth concerning Christ. And where do we see this? We see this in the four Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have that truth that Jesus speaks of concerning Himself. We have all that we need. We don't have everything. John has already told us that, right? We don't have everything that Jesus did or said. If, if, if we did, there would not be enough books to, to tell us everything that Jesus did and said in his earthly life, but we have exactly what God wants us to have and exactly what we need. The Holy Spirit would also guide the apostles in the doctrinal element of the New Testament. Jesus tells them two things. He will take what is mine and make it known to you, and he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit would not only give the apostles the the facts to write about, but he would also give guide them so that they also would know what those facts mean. In other words, doctrine. All Scripture is profitable for what? What's one thing it's profitable for? For doctrine. For teaching, for training in righteousness. And the Holy Spirit came and gave these men that knowledge and, and that understanding so that they communi could communicate that to the church. But the Holy Spirit would also guide the apostles in the prophetic element of the New Testament. Jesus tells them, and he will tell you what is to come. 
Holy Spirit would reveal to the apostles what the future holds for the people of God. And we know this with the book of Revelation as John himself wrote it. Where was John? He was, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day in the island of Patmos when the Spirit came and gave him the seven visions of Revelation. Now again, what do those seven visions tell us? Well, it tells us what life will be like upon this earth between the first and second advents of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit would guide these men to write what we know as the New Testament. But again, that is not the main ministry of the Holy Spirit. The main ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. The, the prime object of the Spirit is Jesus. His job is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit has been given the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And this is the center and the capstone of divine truth. And this is also the vital test for every lying spirit. You know, lying spirits will never glorify Christ. They glorify themselves. And so we understand that for a message to be from God, it comes by way of the Scriptures. And we know that the Spirit uh, guides us into the, into the Scriptures and, and guides us to Christ. Anything that dishonors Christ is not of God. And the Holy Spirit never dishonors the Father nor the Son. And so what does this mean for us tonight? What application can we make? Well, the first is this, that the Holy Spirit has been given to the people of God. And we have the totality of the Holy Spirit the moment we believe. We're not waiting for some second baptism of the Spirit. No, the moment that we came to faith in Christ by the, the, the power and the mercy and the strength of God, we, 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 we had the whole of the Holy Spirit come and take residence up within us. Why? The Holy Spirit has been given to the people of God, to the church, to give the church power and strength. And when we look at the church today, and it's been this way for some time, we do not see it as very powerful or strong. But if we are relying upon the Holy Spirit, then we have all the power and strength we need. The church has been given, or the Spirit has been given to the church to encourage us in the Word. Not only encourage us, but to help us understand the Word of God. Again, without the Holy Spirit, we, we can't understand anything. We do not understand the things of God without the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has been given to the church so that the church will glorify Christ. Just as the Spirit glorifies Christ. The Holy Spirit has been given to the church to declare to us what is of the Father. And where does that declaration come? Only through the Word and through the preaching of the Word. 
Again, we have no need of new revelation tonight. We have all the revelation we need. The canon is complete. The old ways of God revealing Himself no longer uh, apply to us because He now speaks to us in these last days through His Son. And so the Holy Spirit has been given to the church, but again, He has also been given to every Christian. Again, we have the Holy Spirit tonight, and one reason is to strengthen us in the faith. We need to be strengthened. We're here today and we rejoice in the Lord's day as we come together for worship. Tomorrow we will not have this. We will be in the world. And we need the Spirit to strengthen us. But then also to encourage us when we are persecuted by the world. We heard of that last Sunday evening that we will be persecuted if we are faithful to Christ. That the world will kill us thinking it's doing a favor to the rest of the world. And so the Spirit will come when we are being persecuted and and will encourage us. But also the Spirit has been given to every Christian to guide us so that we can understand the Word of God. And then finally tonight, the Holy Spirit works in the world to convict of sin and unrighteousness, to point men and women to the righteousness of Christ and ultimately to bring the elect to Christ. It was an amazing thing how each person of the Trinity has a specific work when it comes to the salvation of the elect. The Bible is clear. God the Father chose us in love before the foundation of the world. God the Son then came at the exact right time. Born of a woman. Born under the law to redeem us out from under that law that condemned us. And He went to the cross and He died exactly for each person that the Father had given to Him. And then at that appropriate time, the Holy Spirit would come to each of the elect of God and will come to each of the elect of God and change their hearts and give them a heart of belief so that as they hear the gospel. They turn from their sins and they come to Christ in faith. Sinful man cannot bring himself to Christ. Sinful man cannot save himself. Sinful man cannot change his heart. It must be changed. And so if anyone is to come to Christ, they must be brought. And how are they brought? They are brought through the preaching of the Word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the world thinks preaching is outdated. The church, many in the church, thinks that preaching is outdated. That we need something new and more exciting than preaching. But what has God promised to bless? The preaching of the Word as the Holy Spirit blesses the ministry of the Word. And so it is the Spirit of God the Father and God the Son that takes the Word preached and brings the elect of God to a saving knowledge of Christ. And if you're here tonight and you're a part of that elect, you've been brought to a saving knowledge 
of Jesus and you give God all the glory because it belongs to Him, not to you. Because it was God who changed you. It was God who chose you and loved you. It was God who sent His Son to die for you. It was God the Holy Spirit who came and applied the Gospel to your heart so that you are forgiven of your sins, redeemed and saved by the blood of Christ. But if you are here tonight and you do not know of that salvation, you are here tonight for a reason. It's not by accident. You're here by the divine plan and counsel of God and you are here to hear the word of truth tonight and it is my prayer that God would take that word of truth by His Spirit and apply it to your heart so that you see your sin and your need of Jesus and you will forsake your sin and come to Christ as the Spirit draws you And if the Spirit is drawing a sinner here tonight to faith in Jesus, you will come. Now sometimes we may come kicking and screaming, but we will come. Because we are not more powerful than the Holy Spirit. And so if God is drawing you by His Spirit tonight, then come to Christ. See your need of a Lord and a Savior, and He is the only one. Come to Christ as the Spirit gives you a new heart. And know that Jesus is the only way to God, the only way to heaven, the only way for your sins to be forgiven. And the only way we know any of this is by the Holy Spirit. For as Jesus tells us tonight, the Holy Spirit will glorify me For He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank You tonight that You have sent Your Holy Spirit. And that He is at work here Tonight, even if we do not think so. And Lord, I pray that he would be active here tonight. He would be active in the hearts of those who do not know Christ. And that that he would bring them to faith in Jesus. And oh God, we thank you this evening that we have been brought to faith in Christ. Not by our own doing, but by your doing. And by the wooing and the drawing of your spirits. Lord, we give you all the honor and the praise tonight for the salvation of your elect through Jesus, your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.